Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks. This is Carl. Uh, we are going to uh, start our program here in a very short period of time. Just bear with me. Uh, okay. Yep. All right. Just just hold on a minute. I want to make sure that we're going. Yep, everything looks good. When it first came on here, the time was wrong, but now it's switched, so we're okay. All right. We are on Bible study with Carl on Freedomizer Radio, and uh, we are going to be here for the next hour and a half, and we're going to continue in our talk, which is going to be a very long one. It'll definitely go into the probably the spring of next year. It's about the cross of Christ because everything in human history from Adam and to the last person is born uh, naturally in this world uh, where they spend eternity is going to depend on one thing. What did they do with the cross of Jesus Christ? At the cross, Christ paid for 100% of our sins. But it's not that simple. We have to receive that gift. And the way we receive it is, I'll quote Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We are saved by grace through faith so that no one can boast, not of works of our own, It is a work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary and his sacrifice that paid for our sin. And God in his infinite wisdom has given us the righteousness that Jesus Christ did if we, by his grace, accept salvation with no works of our own, nothing we can do on our own to earn it, Nothing we can do to pay for it, to deserve it. We don't go to purgatory. Water baptism does not save your soul. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified 100%. Add nothing, subtract nothing. And I say this emphatically because people in churches today have for so many years adding things to it. You can add nothing to your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified one verse that summarizes it out of many that I'm going to give you is 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. Paul says, I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why am I saying all this and repeating it again? Very simple. Very simple. What people do and how they take the cross and the sacrifice that was made there for them, and what they, how they accept it or they reject it. And whether their faith is in Christ alone or in Christ plus their religion, their denomination, or however, whatever we do to, to with the cross of Christ is going to depend where we spend eternity. That's why I keep saying, 
frequently, I keep saying that this is something that will determine the entire destination of humanity from Adam and Eve until the last person on this earth is born and goes into eternity. So it's a very, very serious topic. I've got pages and pages of notes, and my notes are referring to Scripture only. I'm going to have very, very few things that, um, in fact, I'm going to have no conclusions. I'm going to do in the next several months as we cover all the Scripture about the importance of the cross of Christ and uh, how how we receive the free gift of salvation. Um, but I'm not going to give you any conclusions that are not biblical. So we're going to get shortly here reading uh, Scripture, and I'm going to start in Romans chapter 8, and we are going to start with verse 29, which is a very, very... Uh, I say it's a very interesting verse. They're all interesting. They're all very important, but it is, uh, it's, it's, it's what the, the holiness uh, people have called a, uh, the holiness uh, preachers and teachers uh, call the word sanctification. In fact, it is a perfect definition of the word sanctification. And uh, I want to only use this definition of the word sanctification because so many people add to it, subtract from it, and have their own definition of sanctification. Why not go to what the Bible says? So just bear with me here, and we'll start with Romans 8.29 in a minute. I'm going to give you a phone number that you can call, and you can call it... um, from anywhere in continental United States, and it's toll-free, and you can call and ask a question. When you call in, as soon as you're connected, it'll say, if you want to speak, speak here on the radio, hit number one, and then I will see that you're, I'll see you've called when you call, but I will see that you want to speak, and I'll bring you on. The only thing I ask is, uh, and it's not a hard, fast rule. There are no hard, fast rules other than believe the Bible. Uh, I'm going to ask that you, uh, if possible, keep it to the content and context of the Scripture we're discussing, the topic we're discussing. But if there's something else you really want to discuss and ask a question about, it's not nothing wrong with that. It's just that I'd like to the context of what we're speaking on. Now, uh, the number is 319-527-6208. 319-527-6208. And you will come up. Your number will come up on the screen. And I will see that even if you don't hit one to speak. I'll know you're listening. Uh, well, no, you've called in, and some people do call in and listen. In fact, that's what I used to do when Raven had a Wednesday night program. I would call in rather than logging into the computer and listen to it. And then if you hit one again, I'm being repetitive, You'll, I'll see that, and I'll bring you on. And just give me about a minute here. I'm getting everything together I need, and then we will start with Romans 8.29. 
I'm struggling here for time, so just bear with me. All right, I've got to go down one flight of stairs, and we will continue. Okay, I'm down, and we will start with Romans 8.29. Let's get myself seated down here a minute, and we'll proceed. Okay. All right. We're reading the chapter of uh, of Romans, Romans chapter eight, and I'm I've read uh, Romans uh, chapter six, seven, and eight. To me, is the uh, how could I put it? Romans six, seven, and eight to me are the or is the catechism of the of the Bible. And it is all about your faith in Jesus Christ. It's not your works. Your works are required, but they are to be a result of your faith and salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone. In fact, let me give you some verses that will prove this to you. Because, again, I don't want anything to be coming off across as my opinions. I have many opinions, but they're going to be based on Scripture only. I'm going to read to you. Uh, just hold on. I'm going to read to you Romans or Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verse 8 and 9. It says, verse 8, chapter 2 of Ephesians, by grace we are saved. Through faith, it is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, that was verse 9. Verse 10, after salvation, what is a direct result, a direct flow of one of the first works of the Holy Spirit after salvation? We are his workmanship. Verse 10, after salvation in 8 and 9, we are his workmanship. That's God, created in Christ Jesus. I mean, when you're a believer, the moment you're born again, the moment you're saved by faith through grace, excuse me, you're saved by grace through faith. I had it backwards. The minute you're saved by grace through faith, you are his workmanship. That's God the Father, created in Christ, means you're saved because of your faith in Jesus Christ You receive the grace of salvation by faith in Christ alone, not your church, not your baptism, not your denomination, not your good works, not your parents' religion, not your baptism by water, not anything. You're saved by grace through faith. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has before ordained we should walk in them. Now, I'm going to write, read Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and verse 14. And this is going to tell you a little bit more, one more, one more biblical statement to confirm 
that a result or a fruit that we have and that we exhibit after we're truly saved. Titus 2.11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every man, to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. About three years ago, I talked to a man every week at a, we, at a Gideon meeting, in all honesty, who was a very, very loyal Christian. And uh, he has since passed at about 88 years old or 89. Or, uh, but he asked me to talk to his brother. I asked permission to talk. He said his brother always maintained that God never called him. God never called him. He was ordained, preordained, predestined to go to hell. And he wasn't an evil person, but he just maintained God never called him. So I said, do you mind if I call this gentleman and talk to him? He said, no, go right ahead. And he told me flat out. He said, I don't want to discuss it. He said, my brother knows how I believe. God has never called me. He's called him. And that, and I'm predestined by God to go to hell. Well, I don't, I'm not even going to get into that. I mean, that's a horrible thing to believe you're predestined to go to hell. Uh, but I'm going to read again Titus 2.11. The grace of God. Remember, we're saved by grace. You're not saved by your faith. You're saved by grace through faith. You receive it by faith. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. How often people say, well, I've just never been one that's been religious. I've never been one close to God. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough is the only true statement made there. No human being that was ever born on the face of the earth other than Jesus Christ was good. Christ said that. He said, no man is good. We've all sinned. Romans 3, 23. We've all sinned. No one is worthy. The wages of sin is death, which is eternal life in the lake of fire, hell, without rest, or one second for all eternity of peace. So, where the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Whether people believe it or not is totally un... It, it has nothing to do with the price of Pepsi-Cola in Indochina. The Bible says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Whether people believe it or not is not the issue here. 2.11. Let me read 14, which is very similar to what we just read in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and then 10 about works. And it is now talking about Jesus Christ in verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, sin, and purify to himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So the good works, folks, can no way ever save your soul, per Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9. Not of works, so no one can boast. You're saved by grace through faith. 
And God, Jesus Christ, who gave himself, Titus 2.14, for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, which he does the moment we are born again, by grace through faith, in Jesus Christ crucified and him alone. And for what reason? To purify unto himself a people zealous of good works. Those that zealous of good works is going to be a result of salvation. Just like Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, by grace you are saved through faith, not of works of your own. It is the gift of God, not of works of your own, so no man can boast. And we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has preordained that we should walk in them. Now, let's see, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 9. And that's going to explain to us this concept of these good works that God preordained that we should walk in. The Bible explains everything. It doesn't become complicated till you start listening to man rather than the Bible first. Second Timothy one nine. I want to follow Titus two fourteen and Ephesians two ten. Ephesians two ten again. We were his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus through faith in Christ alone and his sacrifice at the cross. We were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay? I'm going to read Titus chapter, uh, 2 Timothy, Titus, 2 Timothy 1 9, talking about Jesus Christ in the earlier verses. Verse 9, who has saved us, that's Christ, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Your works don't save you. Now listen to this. What's the result of our works? But according to his own purpose and his grace, which saved us, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So we are created. Again, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us, in Christ before the world began. Okay. Before the world began, these works that were to do were created in the mind of Christ and that were in God's mind. And the work of Jesus Christ was created in God's mind. And that was to go to the cross to save us. So that we would be zealous of these good works, Gene says. And as as Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ unto good works, meaning to do good works, which God has preordained that we should walk in them. And confirmation of that is 2 Timothy 1, 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our work but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Okay, we got that. 
just establishing again the the the, the concept of born again salvation and now the moment you're born again something else happens it's called sanctification that's a word that is clumsily defined in in churches carl has had his shot at clumsily defining it what he what he thought i have now in the last eight i'd say nine years at least i've gotten to the point that i don't want to give anything unless i know what the bible says let me read the definition of sanctification holiness that we have to prove that we do pursue the minute we're born again the minute you're born again some things happen to you one of the things that happens to you is you have gotten a new birth and let me read that you might want to copy these things down folks i want your faith to not be in my loud voice i want your faith to be in what the bible says only when you are born again john 3 3 jesus answered and said to him verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god john chapter 3 verse 5 verily verily i say unto you except a man be born of water and the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of god so you've got to be born of water and the spirit water means natural birth and the spirit is a nat- is a spiritual birth after you are born physically i'm going to go to first corinthians 3:16 please write these verses down and if you don't have time if you're not where you can read a bible i want you to go through them in the order i'm giving you if you don't mind this is the salvation process you're being born again you were born naturally now after you reach the age of reason for you whatever it would be you are able to receive the grace of God that appears to all men for salvation. And the next thing that will happen is you will either accept at some time in your life or reject the cross of Christ. And here's what happens, the new birth. You're being born again. Unless you are born again by the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified, and you are truly born again, not because you repeated a prayer after Carl, or you joined my church, or you got baptized in water, or you said the act of contrition, or anything of that. When you are truly born again by grace, through faith, not of works of our own, it's strictly a gift of God so no one can boast. Here's what happens to you. Another... This is the born-again experience. Know you not that you are temples of God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. I'm not saying it. It's not a play on words. You are the, That's what born-again means, is the Holy Spirit literally makes it, you his temple. He physically dwells in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 3.16. Let me go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 
which you have of God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body in your and in your spirit, which are God's. We are owned by God. The moment you are truly born again, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. That's what born again means. It is not something magical. It is not something signs and wonders, although it could be, but not necessary. It is the Holy Spirit. The moment you're truly faith in Christ and you're, you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, plus nothing, minus nothing, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. We've got one more thing that I've got to just show you that happens the moment you're born again. And then I'm going to get to the third thing. But the second thing that I'm going to choose to read to you is Galatians 5.17. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. You can't do them. But Christ living in you and the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you now have the power of Jesus Christ to do the works that you should do. You have his power, you have his spiritual gifts, and you have the promises of Philippians that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, Christ who strengthens you. All things that God gives you to do doesn't mean you're going to go out to a PGA course uh, and, and hit 18 holes in one. That's ludicrous. Although I've heard a person, believe it or not, say that that they're now going to be they're now going to be able to play golf better. That's insanity. Let's take the Bible. What it's talking about, the promise in Philippians four thirteen is you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's all things that God has given you to do in Ephesians chapter two verse ten. Titus 2.14 and 2 Timothy 1.9 where the good works you were to do were predestined before the worlds even were created. For you, for you, for you. So you're born again. The minute you're by grace through faith, you're saved. Your soul is saved. You're born again, meaning the Holy Spirit now actually dwells in you. You're a temple physically of the Holy Spirit. The third, second thing that happens, let me say, is Galatians 5.17. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so you cannot do the things you would. Why am I reading that? You've got to understand the moment you're born again, you were born into with only a sin nature. Adam and Eve in chapter 2, uh, actually chapter 3, committed, they committed the sin that a whole world inherited is their nature. We inherited a sin nature. We were born with a sin nature. You don't have another nature to deal with until you're born again of the Spirit by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The moment that happens, you are truly have now a second nature and the second nature is the spirit nature of God that dwells in you. But Satan, the powers of darkness and the forces of evil in the heavenly kingdoms described in Ephesians six twelve, are not going to give you one second's rest. 
The flesh will lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary to one another. That's the spiritual warfare you're in, folks. Understand it. Believe it. Don't accept anything but what the scripture says about it. Believe it. This is why the sanctification process that we're going to talk about, which is the next thing that's going to, that I'm going to read to you that starts immediately after you're born again. You were born with a sin nature. You have, by grace, through faith, you've accepted that Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross is your only way of by accepting and trusting in him alone, plus nothing, minus nothing, you are now born again. You now have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. The sin nature that you inherited from Adam and Eve and you were born with is extremely upset and will always be and will always fight that spirit nature. You have a battle that sets up in you you didn't have before you were born again. So God now has got a process that the Holy Spirit carries on in you from the moment you're born again when he takes up residence that we described in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 6.19 The Holy Spirit now does what we call sanctification. And let me define that in Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, means God knew before you were even created what choices you would make. Another grave, grave, serious heresy of modern Christianity. And I know that's a term that people have rebelled in my my own Bible studies against me using, but I'm gonna, I don't know how else to phrase it. The modern church is enamored with, and very many people are enamored with the fact that we are predestined. We are predestined according to God's foreknowledge. Let me explain that term before we go on with the rest of Romans 8.29. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I've showed this to people, and I've had even pastors say, I don't even want to discuss it. That, that is amazing to me. That is amazing to me that anyone who claims to, to have the gift and the responsibility of trying to help people would not even, but, he, but they would, this person would not. Told me, I don't want to discuss it. Okay. First Peter 1, 2. Elect. That's the believers, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You are elect, saved, but it's according to God's foreknowledge through the sanctification of the Spirit unto the obedience of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So all that we talk about when we're predestined, we don't have a choice. If your faith is in Jesus Christ and him alone, and you continue that way for the rest of your life, which is a battle in itself because of Galatians 5.17, then you are continuously predestined as long as your faith for your salvation is in Jesus Christ alone and him crucified. You are predestined to go to heaven. That I agree. But verse 29 of Romans 8 says, for whom he did foreknow, he predestined. And First Peter 1, 2 says, elect, 
according to the foreknowledge of God. In fact, let me go to 1 Peter 1, 2. And I'm telling you, I know that there's people I've showed this to, and they show you're wrong, Carl. They were never saved to begin with or whatever. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, through the sanctification of the Spirit. The fact that God knows how we're going to choose does not take away the free will. Can you see that? We are the elect according to God's foreknowledge. And according to his foreknowledge, he predestined those who would believe on him to be conformed to the image of his son, which is in Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Get that, Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is the sanctification process. It is not what I was told the first time I ever heard the Bible when Pastor Dave gave it to me and some people in his church, not him, people in the church said they're totally sanctified. They'll never sin again. John 1, 7 through the end of chapter 1 says that if you make, if you say you had no sin, you made God a liar. And yet people have defined to me very early in my faith walk, the first time I ever heard the Bible and was truly saved, that sanctification means that they get so good they'll never sin again. Heresy. Don't listen to people. Don't listen to Carl. You only read the verses Carl gives you. Period. Get away from man as your first line of defense. Is Carl saying don't listen to any other preacher then? Not a wit. Don't hear what I didn't say. Let's read Second Timothy. Verse chapter 2, verse 7. Remember, I'm saying you go to the Bible, not a commentary, not a study guide, not Carl's, com- not Carl's work, work books, which I don't have. I'm saying you go to the Holy Spirit, who is your only teacher, only teacher. That's John 14, 26, 15, 26. And 16:13, you go to the Holy Spirit, your only teacher, and you get your you do your Bible study prayerfully through Him. Now, why, Carl, should we even listen to you? Here's what Paul says about that: the Holy Spirit covers it. Consider what I say. This is what Paul says, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. Consider what I say. Everything I say, folks. I intend to you to do what Acts 17.11 says, that the, the people in the church of, of Berea were more astute than those in Thessalonica because everything that Paul said, they wrote, the, they wrote it down, and they went home and looked at the Bible to make sure Paul was giving them the true skinny on this stuff. That's what I'm saying. Consider what I say but I don't want you to form any opinion on what man says. You Only unless that man has given you scripture, that's the only thing I want you to go into eternity with, is your belief, not based on Carl's agenda or his church or his denomination or his need for more money, as we hear from the pulpit constantly, 
I want you to go into eternity believing it because you read it in the Word of God. No ifs, ands, or buts, nothing added, nothing subtracted. But I'm not saying you don't listen to men. I love listening to David Wilkerson, who's been gone now for about, I'm going to guess, 13 years in an auto accident in Texas. I love listening to Dr. David Jeremiah. I love listening to Jimmy Swagger. I love listening to John MacArthur. There is things with all of these people that I don't see the way they do, but they're not critical. They're not major. They're not things about salvation, about the cross of Christ. They're all committed to the truth of the gospel. You're saved by grace through faith, not a voice of your own. But I'm sorry, as much as I think of these people, of how good they are. Dr. Uh, Michael Youssef is another excellent one who doesn't get off into the twilight zone and signs and wonders and, and things of that nature. Not saying there's not signs and wonders. If I said that, I'd be dumber than I sound. But I want you to take to heart what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 7. Consider what I say, but the Lord give you understanding in all things. And folks, if Paul can say that, how can ministers come across or teachers come across to you doing anything but pointing you, number one, first, last, and always, to the Scripture? You test everything I say. Test the spirits. That's in First John chapter 4, I believe. Test the spirits. Test Carl all the time. Go to the Scripture. That's why I go to the trouble to give you the verses and the number. So back to sanctification. Not what people say. Not what people in a holiness denomination said. What the Bible says. Sanctification. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. And we read, that's Romans 8.29. We read in 1 Peter 1.2 that we are, according to God's foreknowledge, we are predestined for sanctification. So again, back to Romans 8:29, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That is sanctification, folks, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is using the power that Jesus Christ died on the cross to give you to say no to sin, to allow the Holy Spirit when your faith is in Christ alone, the Holy Spirit will then mortify the deeds of the body. That is Romans 8.13. Romans 8.2 tells us that our faith has got to be in Jesus Christ in order for these miraculous working of the Holy Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Faith is only in Christ, not your church, your denomination. Your belief in going to purgatory after you died is to cleanse you from sin. Not your water baptism must be necessary to complete the cycle of salvation. Nothing you do. By grace, through faith, you are saved. Not of works of your own, so no one can boast. But Romans 8, 2. The law of the spirit of life has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now let me read it again. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus means you must be born again. You must be saved. And if you're born again and you're saved, your faith is in Christ alone. When your faith is in Christ alone, he will make you free from the law of sin and death. 
which is what Romans 8.13 said. If we live by the, after the flesh, we will die. But if the, by the Spirit, if through the Spirit we mortify, means kill the deeds of the body, we shall live, which means sin. When your faith is in Christ alone, the Holy Spirit works miraculously to do what you and I are not able to do, and that is to defeat sin. We can't do it. We can maybe do it once or twice or three or four, or all these crazy things we come up with, fence laws, so we don't sin. But eventually we know we fail. We all know we fail. That's why Christ had to die on the cross, because we can't do it. I don't care how much zeal and willpower that you have and how many good works you do, random acts of kindness, do them. Don't stop. But they don't save your soul. It is the Holy Spirit who initially cleanses your soul and and takes up residence in your body. It is the Holy Spirit that fights this battle that goes on the moment you're born again of the flesh lusting against the spirit the spirit against the flesh. It is the Holy Spirit that after you're born again does mortify the deeds of the body that you may have had. You may be addicted to certain sins and you may have, your, your addiction to these things may go 40, 50 years or more, but he can break them. How does he break them? Again, Romans 8, 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus It's the power of Jesus Christ and you're trusting in him. When you believe what the words of this scripture says, the Holy Spirit works miraculously. Well, how do you know that, Carl? That's a very good question. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. I'm going to take nothing, no ideas, no beliefs, no presumptions, no theories, no doctrine, unless it's scripture. Now, I just said that the Holy Spirit works miraculously to deliver you from sin, from addictions, that you may have spent 40, 50 years cherishing. Your faith is in the Word of God, and the Word of God and Jesus Christ are inseparable. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, capital W. The word, capital W, meaning a person, a proper noun, was with God. The word is God. The word is God. Every word in this Bible is inseparable from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is inseparable from the word of his, from the word of Scripture. Okay. And I made the statement that when you believe the word, which is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit miraculously delivers you and mortifies means kills the deeds of the body which are sin in you first thessalonians 2 13 for this cause also thank we god without ceasing because when you received the word of god which you heard of us you received that not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of god which works effectually in those who believe. Let me read that again. This is not preached, and it has to be. We got too many people from pulpits making jokes about the the power of the Word of God. Romans one sixteen. I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is the Word of God, for it, 
The Word of God, the Bible, is the power of God unto salvation, and yet I can quote you ministers and worldwide evangelists who say the Bible is not meant for today, it is not pertinent today, it is, and, and the Bible is not pertinent today, and today is not pertinent to the Bible. And there's one very wealthy individual who claimed this in writing. He also made the comment in one of his books years ago, which was so popular it even sold in grocery stores, that we've got too much Bible. We don't need any more Bible. The Word of God, Romans 1.16 and 1 Corinthians 1.17 and 18, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, that's my word, it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. When you believe the word of God, the Holy Spirit works not magically, but he works supernaturally to bring about the very promise that God promised you because you believed it was in the word of God. And when you're believing the word of God, John 1, 1 says, you're believing Jesus Christ himself. If you deny the word of God. Now, I didn't say if you don't understand. Again, as a gentleman named Jim has a thing he heard many years ago or some time ago, and he keeps he brings it up, and it's very good. Don't hear what I didn't say. And what I did not say, don't hear it. You hear what I say. The word of God has the power, is the power. It is the only power that brings about salvation. How? You mean just the print on the Bible? Again, let's not be any stupider than I may sound. When you believe the words the Holy Spirit authored, he inspired every word in the scripture, and that is 2 Timothy 3.16 and 2 Peter 1.20 and 21. The Holy Spirit of God has inspired every word. When you believe God's word, which every word in this Bible is God's word, he works miraculously. I didn't say you've got to understand it when you believe it, because believing it is faith when you don't understand it. So when you believe it, when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works in those who believe. That is why I am ready to go into eternity without ever changing a couple of my modes of operation. I'm going to read only from the scripture. I'm only going to make statements based on the scripture. When I have an opinion on something the scripture doesn't specifically state, I will tell you it's an opinion. And it's to go no further than an opinion. You know what they say, opinions are like noses, everybody's got one. So I'm not saying that God works miraculously for any other reason to mortify the deeds of the body than what? Then you believe the word of God. The word of God has the power. I've heard statements like you don't need a 400-pound Bible to go to, to go to heaven. I've heard that from pulpits and teachers. I probably even used the same thing back in the days when I believed men over, over the scripture. That is evil. 
You're giving people an excuse not to read the Bible. Satan is already giving them every excuse in the world not to read it. Let me give you some of the excuses I used to believe and say. You can't understand the Bible. You have to have one man. You have to have holy men of God who can understand it. The moment you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. You've got the same Holy Spirit that these holy men supposedly have. What more do you want other than the author living in you? That's why. The author, you're born again. The Holy Spirit who inspired every word lives in you. Go to him first, like Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, 2-7. Consider what I say, but God give you understanding in everything. The word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. Please distinguish that. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which works effectually, meaning miraculously, in those who do what? Not more good works, not more sacraments, who believe, who believe. The word of God is the power of God to salvation for all that believe. Romans 1.16 and 1 Corinthians 1.17-23, actually. It repeats it over and over several different ways. The word of God, when you believe it, the Holy Spirit inspired every word. He miraculously gives you power to overcome sin. If Romans 8.13, when your faith is in Christ alone, poor Romans 8.2. Read these things in the order I'm giving them to you. Pray the Holy Spirit explains it to you, and he will. I don't know. He may give it to you instantly. He may give it to you in piecemeal. That's his business. He's the teacher. I am nothing more than the one reading the scripture to you. I'm nothing more than a roadmap. Don't ever consider me any more than a roadmap pointing you to the scripture. If you believe, it will do, it will it will save your soul through being born again, and it will also sanctify your soul, which means according to Romans 8, 29, it'll make you more and more daily Christ-like. That's Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he predestined. And First Peter 1, 2 says that God, according to his foreknowledge, did predestinate Christians to be sanctified. The Romans 8.29 is the definition of sanctification. For whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the sanctification process. It'll take for all eternity if we were to be on earth. You're going to be totally sanctified when you get to heaven. You're in a process now. When you get to heaven, you will be Christ-like. You're not going to be little Christ. You're not going to have, as some Christian evangelist says, your own planets. You're not going to be the. You're not going to be like Christ and be able to call things into existence. Sorry, creation was given by God to one person, that man Jesus Christ, the man fully man, fully God. But you're going to have every inheritance that Christ Himself has. You will have in heaven. Every inheritance will be yours. You will not be like Christ. You will not be little gods. You will not have your own planet. We're all going to be going through the millennial reign, and then the next thing after the millennial reign 
is the great white throne judgment where all the lost after the thousand-year reign are pulled out of the grave and they stand by God in, in Revelation 20, 11 through 15, and they are one by one, go through the great white throne judgment. They're judged by their works, and nobody's works measure up. Everybody who's dependent on their good works, their holiness, their religiosity, their whatever, their commitment, their zeal, and not on Jesus Christ and him crucified alone, are going to be judged one by one and cast into the lake of fire. Not dropped, not go in by gravity. They're going to be cast by the eternal God into the lake of fire. Romans, uh, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Revelation 20, chapter 20, verse 4 and 6. Believers are going to reign with Christ for a thousand years in their new bodies, their resurrection bodies. The next thing that will happen is the Satan will come out of the bottomless pit he was in for a thousand years. This is Revelation 20, read it. In 9 through, 9 through 10, he's going to be come out of the bottomless pit. He's going to start a, another battle and insurrection against God. God's going to destroy him, and he's going to throw Satan into the lake of fire, which was created for the devil and his angels. And the only ones in the lake of fire for this up for, for the through the thousand-year reign, and it's scriptural. Read it in Revelation 20, is the the false prophet and the Antichrist. The third one to join in Revelation chapter 20 is going to be, per verse 10, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There is no death. There is no destruction. You will be alive forever and ever. And then the next thing in verse 11 through 15, every believer, or excuse me, everybody who died not saved by faith in Christ the religious people who depended on their religion and self-righteousness, they're going to be called up along with Hitler and all the evil people of the world. They are going to go through the great white throne judgment. That's Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And one by one, verse 14, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to the works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whose ever name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Everybody who depended on their works, their good works to save their soul, the religious folk are going to go to hell into the lake of fire. Proof of that. Matthew chapter 7. Let me read that to you. Matthew seven twenty-one. Not every man that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, 
Have we not prophesied in your name? In your name, in thy name, we've cast out devils. And we have, in thy name, done many wonderful works. These are religious people. There's no question about that. And then I will profess to them in red the words of Jesus. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And depart from me then is like Yogi Berra used to say. It ain't over till it's over. When he says to everyone in the great white throne judgment, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Thing you will ever hear until you go into the lake of fire for all eternity. And these people were religious. But they never trusted by grace through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross. All I'm saying may be defining some things that you haven't heard and verses you haven't, but you see the importance of what you do with the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important in your life. It will last for all eternity. I don't care what some branches of Christians say that we're going to be we're going to be destroyed. We're going to be we're going to go out of existence. That is not biblical. It says in Revelation 20 several times, just in that chapter, the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. Other places in Revelation say there's no rest day or night for all eternity. This is what I say. The cross of Christ is the most important thing that we could ever consider or do a Bible study on. Please, please don't get to the point these religious people are in Matthew 7, 21, 2, and 3, where they are being going along. And they are being cajoled by religious leaders that you're doing God's work. You're doing, you're, you're, you're prophesying, you're healing people, you're casting out demons. And Jesus Christ said, I never knew you. And then you hear the worst words that could ever be said to any human being. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And at that time, folks, it is the final judgment. You know it. There is no more salvation. There is no more forgiveness. It's gone. It's over. Now is the time to consider this. You want to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ, a minister who I thought very highly of, and I still do. He was one of the four best that I've ever heard. And I would stand by that statement, and I will go into eternity standing by it. The four best I've heard that I've really studied and let them guide me through the scripture. This man has given up his ministry, and I don't know where he stands with God, but the enemy is just having a field day with this man. And it it makes me very sad because him and his wife were as committed, and I knew the people pretty well. I knew him a little more than just church acquaintance. And I, I, it's, it's just so grievous to me what is happening, praying for these people. The people who have, who have seemingly turned their back on God, seemingly, because we don't know where they are with God, pray for them. Don't 
avoid them. Don't treat them like they're outcasts as we tend to do and we're so holy. You know, like Peter says, nothing, oh, no, God, nothing unclean would ever touch my lips. Don't have that attitude towards people. That's self-righteousness. Pray for these people. They're in the battle. This man and his wife gave that I know of 20 years of their life from the time they got married, over 20 years, probably 25 years, uninterrupted. Times for 10 years, he never made a dime. The church couldn't afford a penny to give him. He did it for 10 years, seven days a week. That was all he thought about. And the enemy is just beating him up now. Pray for these poor people. We are in a spiritual war, folks. That's why I'm reading these verses to you. I want you to write them down and your faith not be in what Carl says. Your faith be in where Carl points you to what the scripture says. So when you're laying, and I've talked to you about Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave's wife, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we had a Bible study. At 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we had a Bible study we do in a church that a pastor of a Baptist church where I live in in the area has allowed us to use his building and his room uh, because we have nowhere to go. We're just a bunch of, of people who gathered who want to study the Word of God, and he gave us for nothing. Uh, I We asked him, uh, you know, couple of years ago when we first started there, uh, is there anything, can we pay any any fee for the electricity or the heat or anything? No, but we went to that, and we're still doing it. We're still doing this. And the, this pastor has been gracious enough to give us this, this building where we can spread the word of God, pray for each other, build each other up. Pray, pray for those who have fallen. I'm not saying you you go to. I'm not saying you make them comfortable in the fact they've sinned. You are to be a watchman. Pray to the Holy Spirit. What does He want you to say to them? But pray for their soul. Pray for the fact that they don't give in totally to Satan. Because folks, the ones who are doing the most damage to the kingdom of hell which is a spiritual warfare that we're in in Ephesians chapter 6. We are in a spiritual war. Make no mistake about it. If you say you're not, you're not born again. Simple. Pray for these poor people. Pray for these people like this man, 25 years, him and his wife. went, And I know personally they went with nothing many times just so they could pay the rent on the on the on the the storefronts that we rented to have a church because we couldn't afford a church he couldn't afford a church of his own so we rented and he went i know for over 10 years him and his wife without one dime voluntary pray for these people we're in a spiritual war folks and those who create the biggest problem for the enemy are the ones who are going to have the wrath of God. Talking to my son-in-law this morning, and we both agreed that in this spiritual battle, there's no such thing as fair. Don't say, well, this is not fair. There is no such thing. 
if you are having any effect on the powers of darkness and the forces of evil in the heavenly kingdoms described in Ephesians 6, 12, if you are having any effect whatsoever, you are going to have Satan attack you in every way there is, and there's nothing fair about it. Romans 8:29 for whom he did foreknow he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son which is Jesus Christ capital S O N that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he did predestinate he called whom he called he justified fine doesn't mean we haven't sinned it doesn't mean we're not guilty it means god has chosen because of our faith in christ he has chosen to accept the death of jesus christ and his shed blood as payment for our sin therefore we are justified by faith in christ not of any works we do on our own and the whole book of galatians has that topic the whole book of galatians we are justified by faith in Christ alone, not of works of our own. No one is justified by their works. Their good works follow if you're truly born again and you're truly walking according to what God says. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. You realize, folks, that your faith is in Christ alone. Not sharing it with water baptism, with spiritual gifts that you do that others don't, or anything else. Just, I determine and know nothing but Christ and him crucified. If you're really, if you really, really can say this, and if you're born again, you know that you at least at one time said it. I'm going to read something to you that you are in the mind of God. Now, we go back to this Romans 8, 29, uh, 30, rather. The last thing he says is those he justified, he is glorified. Well, you're not glorified yet because you're still on this earth. In the mind of God, let me read Colossians 3, 3. This is to people who are born again and still on this earth, meaning you and I. You are dead. Your life is hid with Christ and God, even though you're still on this earth. In the mind of God, being your faith is in his son, Jesus Christ, you are already glorified in the mind of God. Understand that. Stand that. So the Bible is not like Carl said years ago to people. It's full of contradictions. You can't understand it. It's full of contradictions, even the so-called modern church, because people want to believe what teachers and say they want to believe man first and paul says emphatically through the holy spirit consider what man says but god's got to give you the understanding and what if you don't understand it calm down do you understand that you're saved by grace through faith not of works of your own but faith in christ alone did you determine to trust in christ alone that's how you're saved That's the one thing you've got to understand, and you will. God gives you that understanding. 
That's part of the grace of God of salvation that appears to every man. Okay, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's a very, very, that's a very common sense deduction. The God who created this universe, he hang, he actually hung the planets and the stars. He didn't have sky hooks. He hung them. They're they're in out they're in space, just suspended there. He hung them. He hung every star and planet and everything you see in the sky on a clear night, including the earth we're on. If he's for you, who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. He that spared not his own son, capital S, meaning Jesus Christ. He, God the Father, that spared not his own son, Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Everything we need. Not that you're going to be uh, go out and shoot a PGA course, 18 holes, and score 18. That's insanity. And I've said that before. But he will give you all things that you need for what? According to the epistle of Paul. Let me read that. Uh, not Paul, Peter. Let me go to Peter's work. Just bear with me because I'm going to find it here. We're going to go, I think, to Second Peter. Just bear with me. I know it's in Peter. Yeah, Second Peter one three. To believers. In fact, I'll read Second Peter one one through three, so you see it's believers. Simon Peter, a servant apostle of Christ Jesus, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not our righteousness, so no one can boast. We obtain, by grace, through faith, the righteousness of God himself, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the mystery of the gospel. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. That's you who are believers, who have obtained the like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, those born again in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 is the key here. According as his divine power, his power, not Carl's wonderful voice or Carl's wonderful Bible memory or Carl's anything, according as his divine power, has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And how do you get the knowledge of him, meaning God? You get it from the scripture. And yet we have multi-million dollars. The man this year retired as supposedly from the full-time ministry and his net worth was published at $25 million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. That is not a bad golden parachute. And he says, 
We need no more Bible today. The Bible is not pertinent today. Today is not pertinent to the Bible. And this man, folks, has his doctorate degree in divinity from a very well-known theological seminary. No dispersion on the seminary or the denomination. And he says in writing, and I have it in writing in his own books from years ago, the Bible is not pertinent today. Today is not pertinent to the Bible. We don't need any more Bible. And yet according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, the lottery number, not the ability to get a hole in one, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, which is God, that has called us to glory and virtue. You can't believe things I've heard. Oh, I'm sanctified. I no longer sin. Oh, that's just cute. Let me read you what First John says about that. And yet these pe- people, they believe what they're saying. They actually, I don't think they're there to cause you to go to hell. They actually believe the, the vomit. They're, they're spitting out of their mouth. And, of course, Carl wanted to be liked in the church. Oh, well, I, I don't even think, I, I think I was ignorant. I don't even think I had any clue of what was going on at that time, no less the intestinal courage to say something. But let me tell you, I've been told, person was a pastor, and they said to me that they no longer sin. No, I, I take that back. Excuse me. The person who told me that they no longer sin was not a pastor. They claimed total sanctification, and they said they no longer sin. Let me read 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, he, Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I take that back. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, that's referring to God. The last proper noun is in verse 5, which is God. If we walk in the light as he, going back to the last proper noun, which is God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, cleanses us from all sin. That is an ongoing present tense. As long as your faith is in Christ, you are walking in the light. And as long as you are doing that, the blood of Christ instantaneously cleanses you from sin as you, being a weak person, will sometimes fall into sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And yet they were vomiting out of their mouth in Bible studies that they no longer sin. And people were shaking their head. People were conforming to it because you had weak people like me that didn't have the courage or the knowledge because we didn't read the Bible. We listened to these people. Get away from people first. Consider what people say. But God give you understanding. Please, folks, haven't we seen the nation go far enough into the pit of hell And I know there's a group of people that maintain, they're called kingdom now, I believe is the terminology, 
that the world's going to get perfect for Christ, and that's going to cause the millennial reign. If I have ever heard anything that is so contrary to common sense, I can't understand what it would be. Read the Bible. The world is going to get to the point, Matthew 24, where if the days were not shortened, even the elect would not be saved. Read Matthew 24. I'll give you the verse. Don't fall for this nonsense you're hearing from my mouth even. You determine whether it's worthy or it's nonsense by what the Bible says, not by what the great Carl says. You check me on this. Verse 22 of Matthew 24, except those days, the great tribulation, verse 21 is saying, then shall be the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be again. Except those days should be shortened, there should be no be saved, but for the elect's sake, they will be shortened. How can anybody claim anything, affiliation with biblical Christianity, say that we're going to make the world better? There's a denomination... I went to New England, and the church that I went to was this particular denomination, and that's the first thing the pastor and the spouse was impressing on me, is the world's going to get better, and Christ is going to return, and this denomination is the holiness supposedly branch of a major denomination, and they believed it. world's going to get better. Why not believe the Bible first rather than man, folks? Do you see why the Bible is tough? The Bible's tough because we've been told. And after all, Carl can't be wrong. Oh, I'm telling you, this nonsense used to come out of my mouth. Because after all, they said it. Until one day in this very room that I'm in, about 2.30 to 3 in the morning, I opened up like 11 commentaries to to get some information in Revelation, and many of them disagreed with each other. And the Holy Spirit said to me without any words, I was alone 2.30 in the morning, and in my mind, he says, Carl, make a decision right now. Are you going to go on what man says, or are you going to trust that I am the teacher, like John 14.26 1526 and 1613, among many other verses, say. And my whole life changed, my whole attitude in Bible study. All of a sudden, I saw the Bible said these things. Why did Carl have so many difficulties believing this stuff? Because Carl was trying to take things like the world's going to get better to bring Christ in. He'll have no choice because we make it perfect. Because Carl was trying to resolve that kind of nonsense out of people's mouth rather than believe in the Bible. And I'm not criticizing them. I'm criticizing the one whose voice you're hearing, me, myself, and I, because I fell for this nonsense. Please, I'm closer to 81 than 80. If you get anything out of this today, please, when you see me admit a mistake that ruined many years of my life, Bend my wheels. 
chase rabbit trails, as Pastor Dave says, for 10, 13, 12 years. Don't make the same mistake I make. First man that ever hired me after I got out of, I quit graduate school after a year because I wasn't smart enough to grasp advanced calculus, and I, I wasn't. And uh, this man hired me in a business, in the electromechanical service business, which I spent my whole life in and loved it. I truly loved it. I uh, loved the equipment. And uh, this man said to me, if you see me as the owner of the company, make a mistake. And he gave me a parallel. If I go out for a pass and you're throwing me a pass and you see me step in a hole and I break my ankle, twist my ankle, break it, and lay there in pain, when you go out for a pass, don't run down the same path I'm going. And this had nothing to do with biblical. But why make the same mistakes Carl's made? At 81 years old, I'm here to tell you, I made a mess of it. God showed me the truth that night, right sitting about two feet from where I'm sitting on the floor with all my commentaries, and my mind was buzzing. My mind was just on fire because these very famous people didn't even agree with each other. And the Holy Spirit says, Carl, have you had enough? Are you going to trust me to explain the scripture to you? And then I read the verse that Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.7, consider what I say, but God give you understanding. And my whole world changed at that point. Believe me, it was, a, it was one of the most relieving feelings I've ever had in my life. Find yourself a minister who passes the test of Acts 17.11. I quoted it pretty accurately to you, but I'll give it to you again. If you get nothing from me, if you if you block me, ban me, woke me, or whatever this stupid terminology is today, get Acts 17.11. This is inspired, every word by the Holy Spirit. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, speaking of the church, speaking of the church at Berea in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. That's what I want you to hold everybody to. And the pastors that you get, Pastor Dave, and now a Pastor Rands, Pastor Jeremy Rands, everything he speaks is biblical. There's some things he sees I don't see. I'm not saying he's wrong. I don't see him. But the main issues, the main doctrine, the main theology, the main doctrine of what he preaches and everything is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Other things that are ancillary, not that they're not important, but they're not necessary to understand and know for salvation. There's some things he, he really adheres to that I just don't see. But the man passes the test with flying colors of, a set, of, of Acts 17.11. Jimmy Swaggart was another one. This one pastor, his name was Eric. Uh, uh, he was a Pentecostal preacher, and he was the same way. He was biblical integrity, biblical integrity. If you've ever heard of a man by the name of Dr. Michael Youssef, for those, 
He's on the CSN, Christian Satellite Network, every day in the eastern times of well in my in my area at 9:30 every morning on CSN radio Christian satellite network he said on Monday Monday the 4th of December 50% of the preachers and teachers in the churches today do not want to preach the truth of the bible that's dr michael Youssef, not carl who's been termed a critical spirit Haven't we seen enough of what the hell this world is going to? And I mean literally hell. I'm not using a curse word. We are in this country on our way to hell. 70 to 90 million abortions, and we're doing nothing about it. In the state I lived in, and that I live in, we just passed two state constitutional votes, and one of them was to allow abortion right up to the time of birth. Haven't we got enough of this? Well, we're going to say, I'm drawing a line in the sand like Joshua. I don't know what you're going to do. But as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That doesn't mean that I become the greatest saint that ever lived. That means that my faith is in Jesus Christ, not of anything I do. And everything that I do is his manifestation and work through me. One more statement I'm going to make. I'm done because I've got only about four minutes left, getting close to three minutes. Uh, A gentleman that I've just been connected with in the last five or six weeks has opened my eyes to something I never paid attention to before, and that's Galatians 5, 22, 23, and that is the fruits of the Spirit. The moment you're born again, you will have the ability And God will give you the power. He will give you the ability. He will give you the means to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. I'll read them, and then I'm done. I don't want to take other people's time yet. We're going to go to Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, capital S. That's That's a person. And capital, it's God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such, there is no law. The cross of Jesus Christ, folks, your eternity is going to be determined forever and ever, regardless of what people say, that we're going to go out of existence, we're going to be destroyed. No, read the Bible, not what people, including me, say. Burns the lake of fire for all eternity without rest, without moment of, of peace or rest. We will continue picking up in Romans uh, chapter 8. I'll start with verse 32, Romans 8:32. And folks, whoever of you are on listening uh, or whoever listened during the week, which most of you do, and I think I'm very appreciative of that, that you'll listen to the Word of God, we will start with Romans 8:32. The cross of Christ will determine whether you and I Here, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, into the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, or well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. Thank you for listening. I sincerely appreciate your time. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.